Some employees experience abuse from their supervisors, but then go on to help those supervisors. Why would they do such a thing? Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the ever-curious listener, do not need to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hey, Akin, how are you doing? Hey, hey, hey. I feel like I'm back. Yep. Better than ever, too. I, yeah, I feel like we're back. It's been, we took what, like a... Two months? Two and a half months? Took a little bit of time yeah. off to... Yeah. Self-care. Some, some self-care. <laughs> <laughs> some self-care, which has resulted in me now having to care for someone else, which is, uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, papa, papa, yes. can now. So that's a new thing in that's my life. Lovely. Getting used to... Uh, Do you feel like you're getting abused at all? Oh my God, man. I've never been in such a demanding relationship in my life. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Yelling at me all the all time. the time with the screaming. Give me a break. They can't call me at night, can they? Is that legal? <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird, right? Checking like my emails at like 2 a.m. and it's my son. It's <laughs> just like milk in all capital letters. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we, we, we've got a paper. We've got a paper. So I want to give like a, a massive shout out to, uh, to Christian Troster and Nils van der Kwaku Becky. Uh, Kwaku Becky. Uh, so yeah. So Nils sent us this directly. Thank you, Nils. Like, right? That yep. was like so straight nice. up. He said, here's some research you might find interesting. And I do. I find it very interesting. The title of this paper is when victims help their abusive supervisors, the role of LMX, which we'll get into self blame and guilt. So Dan, off the top what are we working with here okay i think the word abuse is going to be tricky we're gonna have fun Mm. with that throughout abuse to me is so loaded yes first off to me without reading this paper it implies pattern and practice and it applies pretty depraved you know really putting people down into a bad uh place it could be that in the context of this paper it's the boss had a bad day and kind of yelled at you a little bit. Or it could be that maybe the boss didn't even say hi to you when you said hi in the hallway. So the word abuse, we're going to have to come back to a couple of times because I'm not positive that our listeners would agree that what was studied was abuse. Mm-hmm. And I also think this concept of leader-member exchange, when Akin mentioned LMX, that means what is the overall timber of the relationship with the boss? Yep. Listen, the real word abuse does not allow for good exchange. If you're being abused, that is not a good exchange. <laughs> well, this this is the thing that I find quite tasty about this paper and also about, I guess, life. Because I guess, I guess a lot of those, those papers that we look at are bigger than the science because, you know, these things have ripple effects. But quite often you do have individuals who are being abused but they don't recognize it as such. Ah. And that's what I found interesting about this paper was it was this idea that people are experiencing abuse. They don't necessarily recognize themselves as Mm. the victims, Mm. which I guess is kind of like patterns that we kind of like see Mm. in 
I guess mm. like domestic abuse or just like yes, other relationships. That is actually yeah. one of the things that Niels, remember he told us, yeah. some of this paper, while it doesn't really come out in this management paper, he said a lot of the theorizing and work actually comes out of abusive domestic relationships. And there's yeah. a lot of similar trends there. Yeah. So that's cool to think about. But, you know, when we get into the methodology, at the minimum, we're going to unpack this. And while the results and the findings are really compelling and, you know, they're, you know, they're manipulated in a sense. It's a, mm. it's an experiment where we know that what they're calling abuse did cause some self-blame yep. and it caused some counterintuitive stuff, which, you know, we should get into right now. Like, why is this counterintuitive? But the readers, the listeners, we all have to make our own impression as to whether this word abuse is kind of the right one. Yeah, so I kind of, I'm being quite loose with it because part of it I see as it being like an abuse of power. So not necessarily just the abuse of the individual, but the power that you have and how you abuse it. Because a big thing with this paper is that there's beneficial consequences to this negative yes. behavior. Yes. And that's reliant yes. on the individual that has power yes. abusing yes. that power. And what I can just said, everyone, is probably the reason why we're covering this paper in the end. Like, here's the way this works. The field of organizational behavior acts as though if you have an abusive leader treats people bad, well, then they're going to withhold effort. Like they're going to be like, this isn't fair. Mm. The way I'm getting back is I'm not going to work with this person. And I'm definitely not going to work hard for this person. And then that should defeat it, meaning it should go away. Yes. But that's not what happens. Abusive supervisors often thrive. Sometimes the abusive supervisors have the highest performance. Yep. And that's actually the jumping off point. As they're asking the question, how could that be? How could that survive the organization's onslaught of like performance. Yeah. And I think that's what's so clever. And I really mean this. Like a very counterintuitive clever thing to do is to try to approach that problem by saying maybe it's the case that when the supervisor is abusive, the people blame themselves and be like, oh, I got to work harder. Yep. And then because they blame blame themselves and then work harder, that's where you then get the beneficial consequences from. Because it's now like, look at this high-performing team. And then you look at the team and everyone's like got bloodshot eyes and like hair falling out. They're war-weary. Right? (laughs) I can, quick story on this. Go for it. I'm signing some books for a company who bought them for like basically the whole senior management team. And the person that runs a big hunk of the organization was saying, okay, I've read this book alive at work and I really buy it. And I think that's how it works. But our CEO and president who owns the company is such a jerk that we basically put a buffer around him and work hard despite them. And she said, if we acted the way he acts so badly that if we acted the way we ought to respond, he would make no money. But instead we basically ignore him, get everything done and then make him a load of money. And then he walks around thinking he's like a visionary. He literally thinks he's like a great leader. She's like, he's the worst leader I've ever worked with, but we all like each other. So we just put him off in a corner. Mm. And it really resonated in a way relative to this paper. It's like, it's not that they're blaming themselves, but what they're saying is, what can we do given that we like each other to maintain our working relationships, which are quite fun when he's not around? Yep. Oh, man. You know what? Like, there's so much more that I want to say about this. And I'm also a bit like, let's get into into, like, because it will all come out in like the studies. So they're looking at a few things and they're looking at like this idea of like when you have an abusive 
supervisor, there's the possibility that people will blame themselves when they're LMX. And this is like the, the working relationship that they have with it their- It means leader the, member exchange. Yeah, yeah. So when that's high and yes. by high, that means that the leader, they believe that the leader understands the problems that they face at work yes. and kind of how they can go yes. about doing a yes. better job. So there is some sort of like an admirational yes. quality or um, uh, uh, sort of a liking yeah. um, that maybe they're treating me bad today or this week, but over the course of our relationship, I feel respected. I feel known. I feel like they, they trust me. They got my back. Mm. So if I make a mistake, they have my back. That's a good exchange relationship. Yes. And then a bad exchange relationship, it's kind of the opposite, but it's just like, I'm on my own. They don't respect me. They don't even know who I am. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna chop up some of that a bit more. And then the other thing that they're looking at is that then what happens then is that when you're in these situations where there is this abusive supervision, what happens is that they, the individual blames themselves and that self blame brings about guilt. And what we kind of tend to do, generally speaking, with guilt is if we feel guilty, we start looking for opportunities to make ourselves feel better. It's like we're kind of like repairing, not necessarily the issue itself, but we enter this kind of like reparative mind state. Like I remember there was one Christmas, it was three Christmases in a row that I volunteered for a homeless shelter. And listeners, if you knew me better, I'll tell you about the horrible things that I have, I was up to in my life during that time where I was a bit like, I kind of need to remind myself because I was a bit torn up. And I just found myself like volunteering in this shelter and have, through having conversations with other volunteers, I was a bit like, ooh, I think I'm here because I don't really feel that good about myself. I feel guilty. I got to give something some back. Yeah. yeah. I got to <laughs> fix up some karma. <laughs> karma repair services here. Oh, dearie me. So they're looking at that idea as well. And also, what is it? So yeah. And then also there's something in the second study where they kind of like, um, they, they, they expand upon this in terms of like the time, like the effect that time has. Mm -hmm. But again, we'll, we'll go into this. So let's get into, do you want to say something about the first study, yes. Dan? This, and uh, before we even get into that, I just yep. wanted to say one more thing. Which Listeners, is, we will get into yes, these. We will. Stuff. Eventually we will. We, will. we will get into these. One of the studies <laughs> they cited was really important in this regard what they did is um there were these experimenters that had or coerced people into lying to the experimenter yes and after it was all said and done the experimenter said hey can you fill out this little score sheet for us it'll take about an hour or whatever now for the people that didn't lie they only worked for about two minutes and then he said i'm, I'm out right for the ones that were a, a liars the ones that became liars they worked for over an hour at it i had to what? read that what? twice i was a bit like wait sorry what <laughs> so it's just it's just another demonstration of atkins point around guilt sometimes when we feel some guilt we'll work really hard to repair that feeling mm. and that's the underneath it that's the kernel of wisdom here, oh I think. boy so yes so yes study one study. we are here listeners we we made it study one was this a uh, scenario experiment so yes dan would you like to yeah. say yeah. something about what was going on absolutely here? this is really important folks um first off scenario experiment means you're going going to read about something that happened to someone else and on the face of it you might think which i did at first well this is going to be kind of fakey because guilt and shame is all about how you feel it and if you're reading about somebody else 
Are you really going to feel it? That's one mm. thing. The second thing is this whole business about when you feel abuse, it's really different than reading about it. Yeah. An emotional reaction is not a cognitive reaction. So you might be a little bit suspect about this. On the other hand, in the sciences, it's pretty hard to manipulate actual abuse. It's pretty hard. <laughs> didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't they try that with the Stanford prison I experiment? Mean, yeah, you can actually get it going on. But these days, human subjects committees, do, they look down on it. They think that abuse is bad. So what I, I guess one thing is like they're doing this um, perhaps not in a way that is the highest in external validity. But perhaps it's a first crack at seeing whether the basic phenomenon can occur. Mm. It's not saying it does occur in the real world yet. Yep. But they're basically, and then with these scenario, um, what they basically do, they just tell little stories. I mean, yeah. we, do you want to read? Should we read one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. I, I have a I kind of a feeling that one of the best ways to kind of get in there is to look at how they are uh, describing these different things. So yeah, let me let me find one of these here. So yeah, try to imagine, uh, listeners, uh, that you have a supervisor whose name is. Chris. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and, and sometimes Chris P. I don't know if you noticed. I that. saw the Chris P. Yeah. It's, it's basically, imagine, you know, you work for this company and you've been working there for a while and you have a lot of work um, that's challenging. And then you report to the supervisor, Chris, and you know each other for a while. And then in one situation, they say, you've got this very good relationship with Chris. Like if you encounter problems at work, Chris is there to help you solve them. If you make a mistake, he'll bail you out at his own expense. So mm. good stuff like that. But in the other one, other people read one that says, you don't really have a good relationship with Chris. For example, if you get problems at work, he's not going to help you solve them. If you make a mistake, Chris is not going to bail you out at his expense, whatever. So I think the overall point is that you're, you're reading a story and parachuting into the shoes of that person. Yep. You listeners have to decide whether you think that's valid. Yeah. It is a methodology. It's been published. It's been validated. I have used these in my own research growing, you know, over, over the years. But these are not actual abuses that these respondents have experienced. Yeah. And so, like, some of the measures that they're looking for after they give them these, uh, these scenarios. So, I think the, the two things that they're looking at is one is an, so they, what they did is they had 200 peeps and they were put into one of four groups. So you're either in the, uh, they divided it amongst like abusive supervision. So like this is Chris being a bit of a jerk. Should I say what some of those are? Yep. Will that ruin your flow right uh, now? No, 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 no. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Like being a jerk in this case is kind of like, um, you walk down the hallway, you said hello to Chris and in the abusive one, he just ignored you and acted cold. Yep. And in the better relationship one, you know, noticed and said hello back or whatever. Yeah. And then another one would be, um, Chris never puts you down in front of others. But in the other ones, sometimes Chris even puts you down in front of others. Yeah. And so like the putting down in front of others, I would say is like highly abusive. And I guess maybe the contentious element is some, is walking down the office and you saying hello and someone not saying hello back. And I feel like that's where it then gets into the abuse of power. Cause then that's when I feel like as a leader or a supervisor, as, like the idea of just like icing someone, yes, yes. that like, there's no way that I'm working for an organization. And let's say you're my boss, Dan, and I, we're walking down the hallway mm -hmm. and we're working on a project together. And I'm like, Hey, Dan, and you just like, like, you just by. like, ice. <laughs> 
My, you just ruined my entire day. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I'm now like going to yes. enter this state yes. where I'm a bit like, oh shit. Like, did I, what's the, yes. what was that? Is that, yeah. is this because like I didn't reply when he emailed me at like yes. 9 PM? Should I have been checking my emails? And that, that is well, actually what they're hypothesizing. Yeah. Like that's, that's literally like, what they think is happening is you are driven to make sense of what the hell, what, what was that? Wait, what, what did I do this? And that question, did I do this? In a situation where you usually have a good relationship, yep, is what leads you to say, "I better work harder." And that's the thing as well. It's when you've got the good relationship, like that's when it's like, because if you if you if you've already established, like, I don't like this person or I don't like this organization, like you are just looking for the issues. Like you're like the idea that so you'd be walking down a hall and your supervisor yeah, that's just yeah, going to confirm yeah, yeah. See? everything. See? This, yeah. Look at this horrible organization yeah. with which I, 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 I give, I come here all yeah. of the time. This is the kind of people that I work with. I hate this place. Yeah. And then you stay because, yeah. you know, you're trying to get paid, man. I need, <laughs> I need, I kind of need these paychecks for this. I'm going to New York in summer. So I kind of need to be here. Have you ever worked with people who they say that they're only there because of something that's coming up? Yeah. And they're a bit like, once I've done New York, it's over. It's over. I dropped I'm out of here. <laughs> It's like, you ain't going nowhere. You're stuck here like the rest of us. Now shut up. <laughs> oh, dearie me. So yeah, so, so they're looking at these things like self-blame and some of the items that they had for people to, after they've been given like these scenarios, some of the items were, I think that I did something to jeopardize my relationship with my supervisor. I think that I am responsible for damaging my relationship with my supervisor. I think that I am to be blamed for risking my relationship with my supervisor. So there are things like that where people had to then kind of gauge from like, you know, highly agree to don't agree at all. Um, And they were using these to gauge how much do people blame themselves. So this is just a scenario that you've read. How much self-blame would you put onto as as to why the supervisor had just like iced you or is talking trash about you? And then in terms of like the supervisor helping, they basically would then say... Like, I would speak highly about Chris to others, mm. which you could be like, that's extremely unlikely. Or you could say that's extremely likely. And, you know, one to five kind of answer. Yep. Another one might be something like, I would go out of my way to be nice to Chris. Now, this is so interesting because what's happened now is you've experienced some form of abuse. And now is your response to that going to be like, this must be my fault but then also not only am I blaming myself now, I'm then kind of get this sense of guilt about that. And so Dan ignores me in the hallway. I now start questioning myself and my relationship with Dan. So now when I'm in the kitchen and Dan's name comes up amongst other colleagues, I start singing Dan's praises. Craze balls. Craze balls. I mean, one of the things that I'm going to say out that Akin brought up and like I didn't quite let him finish is this is one of these experimental designs. And so the question that Akin just asked can be answered with the data because you have some people that are in one of these like abusive relationships and other ones that have not been abused. Yeah. And then other people that are in a really good long-term relationship and other ones that are not in a very good long-term relationship. Yeah. And these people's theory is that the only time that they're really going to blame themselves is when there's a good ongoing relationship and then you kind of got abused a little bit. Yeah. And that's really what they find. They yeah. find results that like pop quite a bit. 
they get like a nice big one point jump mm. of self blame. Like a one point jump is like a twenty percent jump. Yep. But only only in that one condition. Yeah, it's I got pretty good results actually. I kind of feel like that condition is when people are doing narcissism wrong. Like they're you somehow mean? making it all about them. Like oh, that's funny. But like but not feeling good. not feeling yeah, good about yeah, it. Yeah, like this must be my fault, right? <laughs> I feel so bad because I'm narcissistic. That's not usually how that is. Like I kind of feel like they need to fine tune their narcissism because then they could get some of the benefits that oh, narcissists really get, like promotions and that is really and more authority. I know, but they don't want that. So that's really cool. And then we'll just finish up this this part this study really quick. Then they show that the more self-blame people have, the more they then go on to help their supervisor. Mm. Again, nice, big, statistically significant, substantial kind of effect. Now, when I finished that study, I was like, huh, because I didn't really buy it yet. Yeah, That wasn't – those scenario studies are sort of like a toe in the water that, yeah, this can happen. Yep. Theoretically, if you were told these stories – Yep. Theoretically, you might answer in these ways. I wasn't quite hooked yet. Okay. So then we go into study two, and that's what these, you know, really good studies do is they then go in and try to look at people's real lived experiences. Yes. Now, in this case, let's tell them a little bit about this. It's these, um, ongoing journal entry kind of things. Yeah. Where, yeah. So I believe this was over like two weeks. Yep. And each, so every other day across two weeks, they excluded the weekends. So this was just all of your working days. You were, they were taking measurements of how kind of people felt about their working day in terms of what they were experiencing. So they were able to get feedback from about 275 individuals. And then this allowed them to then create 2,215 observations. And so these observations are looking at like, how do people feel about their supervisor? Do they feel like their supervisor is abusive? Such as like, you know, do they feel a sample item there would be my boss ridicules me. So how have they kind of like felt on that day? And also they said that they used two weeks because I guess across most kind of like employees, two weeks kind of captures. It may as well be forever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're being abused and you hate your boss, two weeks is the same as forever. Um, it's also really funny in this thing that they did these twice daily surveys, which yes. is pretty aggressive surveying regime. Yep. But basically in the morning, they're like, did he mess with you today? Mm. Come on, tell us. Did he mess with you today? In the afternoon, it's like, did you help him? Did you help him later? You know, so it's like, A, they kind of split up the survey assessment, but B, they kind of got it in real time. So like if I answered it 10 times over two weeks, two in the morning, two in the afternoon, whatever, it might be that seven, eight of those days, nothing happened. Yep. But then on the two when it did happen, did you help more or mm. less? And did it depend on whether your overall relationship is good or bad? Yeah. It's a pretty nice sampling methodology now. I mean, it also has limitations, everybody. Like if you're like a researcher out there, I know it isn't perfect. But it's a really nice compliment in the sense that now we're not reading scenarios. We're looking at people's lived experiences at work. Yep. That's a big deal. Yeah, I found it was like pretty juicy. And I also kind of felt like this kind of felt like one of those studies, which like I'd hate to be on the receiving end of this and recording because there's I guess there's there's instances that we have in life that kind of like allow us to kind of see what's happening to us. 
And for some of these 275 individuals, this study has the potential to be a bit like, wait a minute. Because yes. 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 I've, like, I've yes. worked at different organizations and they have surveys. And the surveys are often quite frustrating because it's like, I don't know, there's something about the way that it's worded yeah. and what they're yeah. kind of like looking out for. But the idea of me doing a survey that's about my relationship yeah. Yeah. with and really getting into some of like the the meat of my relationship yeah, with my supervisor yeah. has the potential for me to stop and be a bit like, do I want to work under this supervisor? Yeah. Do I want to work yeah. at this organization? That's really interesting, Akin. I mean, that is a response bias in a way because you might have had a lot of people quit. Like after the first week of telling you that on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was abused and I'm helping even more. Yep. Once I see my own responses, I'm like, you know what? I need help, right? I'm going to check me in. I should talk to somebody. And I kind of feel a bit like, because part of the question that, um, uh, I believe it was Christian and Nils. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Christian and Nils. Part of the question was a bit like, well, with the stuff that we found, how can we use this to make workplaces better? And I have a bit of a low faith in leaders and management because of some of my own experiences. I feel like some of, a lot of the social science and this kind of like, you know, science space seems to look at how do we create better leaders? And there's so much material on it that I'm beginning to think that there's a lot of leaders that don't want to be better, that they're just a bit like, I quite like the benefits of this. And so this one feels like maybe there's something here about how do we empower individuals so that they can identify like, is this a healthy environment that I should be working in or that I even want to be working in? Because there might be something that the individual needs to see, yeah. which might not come from how the leader is behaving. Because yeah. they're already, but they're already a wreck. Like in yeah. terms of the leader, yeah. they're already like, I do what I want. I make people feel how they want. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm going to go about yeah. my thing. And then maybe it's like the employees that like need some of these surveys. I wonder about this, Akin. You just speaking that right now made me think: Is another way to interpret this study as saying, as a leader? If over the long term, you can establish a good relationship, meaning people trust you, they think that you really know who they are, and they got your back if you mess up, right? Yeah. If you can establish that, you can have a bad day. You can you can have a day where your mind's on something else, when an employee says hi in the hall, yeah. you can ice them uh, by mistake. I'm with you. And you're all right. Yeah. You're there. What they're going to do is it's actually going to flip back onto them to be like, wait a minute, did I do something wrong? Mm. And if you have the wherewithal, the ability to establish that good ongoing relationship, yep. they may even work harder when you make a mistake. Yeah. Um, I don't really totally believe that. But as you were speaking, I yeah. almost wonder if that's not a lesson that I would take away as a professor to try to help people understand why it's so important that you'd establish a good overall working relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so with you there, Dan. Like, cause that is a different lens from which to look at it is the idea that some of the behavior that a leader might be exhibiting is because they too are a human. Yes. And they're doing their yes. life. And their life isn't like, about the number They might have had their of- kid yelling at them at three in the morning, feed yep. me, feed me. Or it might have been that their spouse walked out the door and says, I never want to see you again. Yep. And now they're like, I got to show up at work. It's right. 9.20. And I got smile at you. And- <laughs> you know, me you're not even on my radar. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just humans. I got to concern myself with how you feel. Yes, I do make 19 times more than you. Yes. But I'm just me. 
But that, that is a good point, actually. And I guess some of my kind of like, I guess, biases. And, and you know what, actually, what you mentioned there as well, Dan, about uh, like joking about making 19 times more. I think that's also part of it, where it's a bit like the how I think about leadership. It's like part of it is that interpersonal skill. Like the idea of like, they say supervisor here, so I'm broadening it out to kind of like leader, but partly why people are getting extra money is that you're managing people. And like part of that means that then you do turn up at work and you're supposed to bring your A game, right? It's a bit like, this is why you get paid the big bucks. Like, you know, hit a home run. Like we want to see the stuff. Yeah. Show us the stuff. Inspire me a little bit. Yes, exactly. Icing me is not going to inspire me unless we have this overall positive trust we have this thing where you got my back all this stuff and once you have inspired that i'm more likely to look within if we have a problem one day yeah that's that's a pretty cool finding Mm. it helped me right now reinterpret it here's another thing i want to tell you folks before we're just about done here i believe it of course is the case that abusive supervision also can lead to blaming the supervisor yes if they're not listen we didn't talk about all the results they're not acting like it doesn't happen that a bad supervisor gets called a bad supervisor. In fact, they tested that stuff too. That seems to be the more common one as well, right? That is is like what's normally going on. So here's the normal thing. People hate their supervisor and their job. That's the norm. And even in this data, people, like this is real data. What they found is when there was abusive supervision, it also was affecting supervisor-directed blame. Nice big effect there. Yes. And then that blame in turn affected deviance at work, Mm. meaning they did stuff just to mess with with the supervisor. So like if the self-blame isn't there and if the sort of long-term relationship isn't there, it's not like people are still just going to like keep helping. Yep. It, it can go either way. And so the general normal trend that you all are probably thinking that is under there, what they're doing is really shining a flashlight on this hidden case, this, yeah. this sort of like unexpected little quadrant over here. I like that as well, because I guess what they've done is they've, I guess this is what like kind of a lot of the the realm of work that you're in, Dan, is like everyone's talking about these obvious things. What's the what's the thing that people aren't talking about? Because that's then what is, you know, that's the revelation. The revelation isn't what's commonly seen or known. It's what is unseen. Yeah. There we have it. Yeah. Well done, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Your problem all your problems are solved and <laughs> Go forth and thrive. <laughs> Thanks very much for rocking with us. Uh, I think we are we are genuinely getting out of here. Uh, so <laughs> enjoy your lives. <laughs> Ciao.